How are you, Pete? Good. <laughs> you sound a little trep- trepidatious. Is something okay? I don't know. I, I, honestly, I felt like you were trying to get me in your van. <laughs> How are you, Pete? Okay. <laughs> I think I know why uh, you are trepidatious, and it's because I am about to take you. And I think you somehow knew this through osmosis, through a visioning exercise. You've taken oh, me Tom. through a number of visioning exercises. Um, they've all involved me barefoot in a construction zone. And I've managed <laughs> to mess up almost all of them. Right? Can we agree on that? There have only been two and you've messed up almost all of them. <laughs> yeah, good point. There's only been two, but I've been so bad at them. They feel like five. Well, let me just tell you, it feels like this is the moment I've been waiting for. This is why we do this show. Please begin. <laughs> I've taken off my shoes. Excellent. Okay. So here is your visioning exercises. Close your eyes. Take mm-hmm. a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Now you're walking outside your house and you're barefoot. You see a construction zone across the street. <laughs> you you don't walk over to it. Instead, you walk back into your house and sit down exactly where you're sitting right now, and you put your socks and shoes on, and none of that mattered. I just wanted to let you know how it feels to be barefoot near a construction zone. Uh, actually, this We've now is- done three, and you've screwed them all up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's the actual visiting exercise. Um, okay. And everyone listening along can do it as well if they want. And even if they're driving in the car, because there's no closed eyes involved. Okay. (laughs) Take a deep breath. Now, I would like to talk about your senses. Identify five things you can see right now. Well, I can see my computer screen and my water bottle and cup of coffee and my hat. And a light fixture. You nailed it. Next, where? Are, what are four things you can hear? I hear uh, the slight... I have headphones on, so I have the slight sense of white noise, the electrical kind of hum coming through the headphones. I hear you, your voice, breathing, some keyboard. Uh, I just uh, heard you put a drink down on the table, I think. <laughs> and now you're laughing. How meta. <laughs> Good. What are three things you can feel? Uh, my hands are in my pocket, and so I feel the fabric of my hemp pants. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel my wallet, and I feel my phone in the other pocket. Excellent. What are two things you can smell? Ugh. Um, I can smell the foam on the mic screen of the microphone I'm talking into right now. Hmm. And I smell sourdough toast. Oh, that's delightful. That's better uh, than the foam. Sure. This might involve said toast. Finally, what's one thing you can taste? It can even be your tongue, as long as you can taste it. But what's one thing you can um, taste? Uh, I taste... Uh, I, I don't know why this suddenly feels gross <laughs> to me, but I taste uh, the sort of lingering uh, spice of jalapeno, which was in my lunch that I had just before we started to talk. Perfect. Well, the visioning exercise is over. 
And that may not seem like a lot, but it's called the 54321 test. And I found it from an article in the UK Independent uh, that was published on February 7th of this year. The basic idea is when you're having a bout of huge anxiety, clinical psychologist Ellen Hendrickson says bringing your attention to your senses grounds you in the present and counting the items interrupts the spinning of your thoughts. The Mayo Clinic Health System backs this up in a different article saying this exercise can shift your focus to your surroundings in the present moment and away from what is causing you to feel anxious, again, helping interrupt unhealthy thought patterns. Finally, Harvard University came out, those old smarties, and said that in addition to anxiety, this can help treat depression, addiction disorders, lower blood pressure, and relieve stress. Now, I didn't I didn't ask if you were particularly anxious before you began, but can you see how maybe this could help? Totally, totally. Because what you did and what I did in the process unwittingly is... Uh, I, I distracted myself back to what was immediately in front of me, mm-hmm. and it put me back in a space of control. Yes, exactly. And if I can be honest, um, I just used this uh, yesterday uh, where I was uh, preparing for a corporate training event that I was leading, and I was mo- using a bunch of new elements that I was trying to just hammer out beforehand, and my brain was just spinning and running and shouting like it does. Wow. And I was able to do this sitting in UCLA. I was able to count uh, all five, four, three, two, one. And then almost immediately, I was able to just hone in on what I needed to do and was able to really figure it out. So I know we don't usually just sort of share tips and tricks, but I just thought this one was kind of cool. So I'm glad uh, that you went through it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also really reminds me to brush my teeth. (laughs) So gross. <laughs> right? That last one really hammered it home. <laughs> yeah. If you're a gross person asking, like, what do you see? Doritos. What do you smell? M- m- me. Doritos. Yeah. Like, what do you? What do you yeah. If the answer, to all, of, if the answer to all of those questions is Dorito related, <laughs> you gotta. There's some other things that you should work on. Otherwise, I hope this helps people. Welcome back to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Mess III. And I'm Pete Wright. And every week, Pete and I drag out one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out, send us the story of your anxiety to something stinky at whatsthatsmell.net. That's something stinky. What's that smell.net? You're really making a meal stinky. of it, Pete. <laughs> Something Stop stinky. saying stinky. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do an ASMR video that is just uh sounds of, of smelling stinky things. That's great, and I'm going to burn YouTube to the ground. <laughs> Tom, I I come to you with a listener submission today. Oh, good. I love those. Great. I'm hopeful that you will relate to it. I know I relate to it. And it relates to so many things that we've talked about on this show. Uh, Things like 
the feeling of control and the feeling mm. of some uh, big uh, monolithic enterprise that's somehow watching us, right? Watching what we do. Oh. Uh, and it also, dare I say, relates to money. And money is a cause of great anxiety, as we've discovered on the show just this season, uh, even if it doesn't give you anxiety because you're Mr. Perfect Pants. And you have no <laughs> trouble with money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what we came up with, but yeah, fair enough. I do sure enjoy I being called Mr. Perfect Pants. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I think the title of that episode is Mr. Perfect Pants Reveals His Money Secrets. Uh, this comes to us. Uh, well, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to oh, read it. it all right. And, and so I hope you will indulge me. Here you go. You guys. This show hits so close to home every single week. Hmm. Sometimes I think you're living in my head. Because of that, I am very surprised that you haven't actually covered my anxiety yet. So here goes. I don't know if I have a weird thing about government agencies having control over my life or what, but I'm terrified about being audited by the IRS. Oh, sure. Before you ask, no, I don't do anything that, to my knowledge, would get me in trouble, but I guess that's part of the problem. I'm not good at record keeping, and since tax law is complicated, I feel like I don't even know what would get me in trouble if I was even doing it. <laughs> I know I love government services. I love smooth roads. I love solid bridges. I just feel like there's a huge hole between what I know and what I understand about the tax system and what the IRS is capable of doing to me that's out of my control. Even now that I'm in my late 30s, I'm terrified of it. I hate checking the mail. I start panting when I cross the street to my mailbox and I pump my fist with joy at junk mail. Big question is, oh my God. is this a real thing? Keep up the good work. So glad to see season two is finally out. Brit. Thank you, Brit. Thank you, Brit. Wow. Every time you go to the mailbox? Yikes. I know. That seems like a... That's hardcore. <laughs> real daily hit to the head. Yeah. I'm not crazy <laughs> about that. Uh, so, okay. So what is your experience with uh, the IRS in particular? Have you ever been audited? Do you Do you have any relation to this particular Thing. I do in a it was a production company that I had opened many years ago. Uh, it was an LLC and uh, it was for a short film. But because of the amount of crew and everything, we had to open an LLC and uh, the short film did very well in festivals and things like that uh, and actually got a little bit of distribution, but no money was ever made of it. And it was just a bunch of freelance contractors working for about a week. And I thought that because I wasn't making any money, then, of course, the <laughs> IRS somehow knew this <laughs> and was just like, we're going to put Tommy in the don't need to worry about it box. Uh, to my credit, I was never yeah, sent any. There is that box. No, there is. I've learned that there is not that box. Um, to my credit, they never sent me. I mean, they never sent me anything saying, hey, where are you? You have to keep letting us know and filling out reports. I just let it go because this was many, many years ago. Uh, but they did about six or seven years later say, oh, okay, you're delinquent on all of this stuff. We assume that you are hiding money. And I pretty much got not audited, but just I all of a sudden owed over $10,000 at a time in my life when I did what? not have $10,000 lying around. What? And I had to do all of my tax, like taxes retroactively for all of those years. It was a big, huge hassle and nightmare. 
luckily, as I would hope a lot of IRS things is part of it was just a big prod that once I did answer and say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, they did release, uh, they did reduce the amount. I didn't end up having to pay $10,000, but it was around seven and it was kind of a nightmare. So, well, that's interesting. It made me feel um, incredibly childlike. Yeah. In that I was like, wow. well, the adults are mad at me and I didn't even know <laughs> that any of this was happening. <laughs> Isn't that funny how quickly we become children <laughs> in this kind of th- I totally relate to that. I absolutely relate to it. I, I, I've i never been audited. Uh, fingers crossed. I have had my identity stolen through tax fraud. Somebody tried to file a uh, file their taxes or file fraudulent taxes under my name and social security number that they got from a doctor's office who used social security numbers for uh, their patient IDs. So oh, note to self, if a doctor's <laughs> office ever asks you for a social security <laughs> number, do not give it to them. They don't need that. <laughs> that has nothing to do with your a, heart. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a trigger warning for me. Okay. It, anyway, so it took, uh, it took a year, 18 months to resolve that. But I have to tell you, my experience with the IRS dealing with this uh, was actually very positive. They assigned somebody to me. They had, I, I was in regular contact. They worked with me to get my social security number cleaned and, uh, and put, protections in place for the future. So my experience directly working with the IRS in that regard was good. And yet I am still terrified of being audited, of that I don't have the right records, that I haven't kept the right receipts, that how I'm keeping them is n- not correct, that I'm going to be, again, treated like a child because I've been doing something wrong when they're the monkeys that created a tax system that is so stupid. It's so Byzantine uh, and so, and so it's Byzantine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I I really I, I feel pretty strongly about that. But also I agree with Brit. I also love great government services and roads and bridges and things. So <laughs> there is a hole. And it turns out, Tommy, we are not alone. <gasps> Come on in everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the bus. Tax audit is the largest uh, audit defense service in the country. And you can imagine how big tax audit is when I tell you that tax audit is an Intuit or TurboTax company. Uh, oh. So these guys deal with this a lot with people sure. who may have questionable things going on in their in their returns. And this is the service that comes to the rescue when they need help. And I say questionable, not in any nefarious you know, intention here. Right. Uh, questionable just means it could mean anything that might trigger an audit. And in fact, they finished in, uh, their late or early 2018 survey of Americans' feelings about audits, about the tax, uh, tax law, tax confusion. And they found that uh, nearly half of Americans, 47 percent, feel anxious when they receive any correspondence from the IRS. Mm-hmm. Nearly a third worry they'll be audited despite the majority of taxpayers, 65 percent, saying they are very confident that their tax returns are error free. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not breaking the law. Right. You're still afraid that grandma is going to come out with the whipping stick. <laughs> and that does. I can't believe I didn't think of this. But when I directed my first feature film, uh, it wasn't f- strictly from the IRS, but it was from places like the Franchise Tax Board because we opened another corporation i was and i was sort of the head of it i was getting tons of these and the dread i mean i the first thing i would do would put them on the table and i have this little part of my kitchen table that i'd put it on called the anxiety corner because <laughs> it would just be like <laughs> i desperately need to open that but i'm gonna give myself a day and so it just hangs out and sometimes it'll be like you're doing fine and sometimes it would say all of your employee records are wrong. What's happening? But yeah, that was the anxiety quarter where little envelopes of 
potential doom would live. So, but yeah, see, that's it. Right. You are you feel horrible about it as if you don't already have enough on your mind. You're right. making a feature film. Right. Get out of the way and let you make your movie <laughs> yes. is all I'm saying. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, that is a fascinating thing. They the uh, the survey out further reveals that 77 percent of Americans find the new tax law confusing. Forty two percent are unsure that they will benefit from it. Thirty six percent are certain they will not benefit from it. And 21% believe they will pay more taxes under the new tax law. Hmm. Uh, just an interesting sort of anecdote about, as you say, the Byzantine nature of our uh, of our tax situation. So a few more quick data points. Almost half of Americans surveyed don't know the difference between a notice from the IRS and an actual audit letter. I imagine it's because many Americans have an anxiety corner. Oh, sure. And they just see an <laughs> envelope that says IRS and they don't even open it, assuming it's an audit. Right. It'll somehow go I feel away. Like we can relate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, right. It, it'll go away. Uh, one in three are not confident that they would even know what to do in the event that they were audited. There's that lack of control. It's nonsense. Yes. But, yes. Uh, you know, 10% feel they would be very, very unconfident, it says. Uh, and 24% taxpayers correctly selected three years as the length of time the IRS is generally permitted to audit past returns. But only 24%, right? That means the rest... Right. Thinks uh, that it could happen at any time. Exactly. It could happen at any time. In in perpetuity. I learned something here. I thought it was seven years. I thought that I would have to be panicked about seven years. That it's only three years, uh, actually, I feel like gives me a little bit of of, uh, leeway. (laughs) <laughs> to burn some tax records. I don't know uh, what that's giving me leeway to do. <laughs> to grow uh, but, another mustache. <laughs> to try to hide your identity. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the situation of anxiety in the country. So, Britt, you are not alone. And oh, you're gosh. not alone yeah. just with me and Tommy. You are not alone with a lot of people who are anxious about taxes anxious and and here we are i mean right now we're doing this and it's it's almost the end of the year right we're in the we're in the the last couple of innings and we're going to have to start thinking about tax season again and now is the time uh for that anxiety you know if you want to feel anxious now is the time to do it <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk then about the the reality of the audit situation and this was the thing i i had a hunch i had a hunch that that we weren't alone uh, that in fact there were others who would feel anxious about sure. audits. Yeah, but but I didn't know. You know, when you look at what the actual odds are of you being audited and oh. the kinds of things that trigger you. Interesting. Right? Okay. To yeah. Be audited. Uh, what do you think? Like, what's your hunch? What What is it going to take to get you, Tommy Handsome, uh, audited? Well, the rational part of me feels that the it would take me trying to cover up a crime. Like if I've cooked the books somehow, but I'm nowhere near smart enough to be able to cook books, nor do I have books. Like it's like I don't have these like ledgers filled with gangster receipts. So my my worry would be that it would be kind of like this a larger version of the situation that I brought up, a misunderstanding and not doing anything wrong on purpose, but falling way behind on something, not clicking the right box. And as a result, and the 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 government, either for good reasons or bad reasons, letting that pile up and pile up and pile up and then all of a sudden just punch me in the face. Does that answer the question at all? It it does, actually. Okay. And it goes exactly where I want to go with you. Let's start with the good news, though, and we'll come back around to your 
potentially legitimate fear because okay. now you've made me nervous that you are somehow <laughs> in bed with some nefarious uh, organization. <laughs> the good news is that according to recently uh, retired IRS Commissioner John Koskinen. Oh, I know John. Do you? He does, he does great work. He'll, yeah. He'll be missed. Uh, he says that the number of returns filed annually is actually going down year over year. And that has been a consistent trend. They are since 2016, they did fewer audits than any time in the past decade. Oh, and it that's is nice. Continuing to fall. That is that is good news in terms of the overall odds of you being audited. They are falling. So now there is there is some bad news if you are in the position of IRS com- commissioner to these mm-hmm. falling audits. And this is the other side of that same coin. Now, you have to when you hear this, you have to sit in his position. Right. And and not a lot of people uh, are going to find that easy to do. But trust me, it will make a difference. Okay. If you are the IRS commissioner. Here's what he says. Every one dollar they spend on audits and other enforcement activities, they bring four dollars to the U.S. Treasury. Oh, right? so it's a revenue center. It's it's worth it. Okay, got it. Right. Now, their fear is that if audit rates continue to fall, that revenue to the IRS continues to fall and it sends a signal that it's easier and okay to dodge paying your taxes. Sure. And he says here, uh, you know, and I'll quote him. He says, if I'm paying my fair share of taxes, but I see others who don't and they get away with it. I'm a lot less motivated to be tax compliant in the future. Sure. If I'm sitting in the seat of the IRS commissioner, I get that. I get that. So that's an understandable way of the system breaking down. Exactly. And there may be a motivation for them not to let audit rates fall quite so dramatically. Right. If if they can keep the the department funded, which is obviously questionable (laughs) always. Right. (laughs) But but that doesn't really answer our question of how likely is it for you, Tommy Metz III, to be audited. Right. Right. Uh, right now, they say that it's about one percent of the population gets audited. That's not very much. And it really is one in one hundred and forty three chance right now. And if you are just a, a person on the street who files your 1040 or 1040 easy, whatever the, yeah. the, the form is, uh, the odds go down to about one in four hundred twenty seven and four hundred twenty seven of actually getting audited because i'm easy all day buddy so that's good news (laughs) (laughs) great uh it's it is actually not as 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 likely that you're going to be audited as i'm sure people fear uh and so that's that's got to give you some sort of of sense of consolation some sense of reprieve yes maybe you don't have to do the right thing don't break the law and you're the odds are you're not going to get you're not going to get selected. The huge odds are. And it's just, it's for other reasons that you said, a lot of it is a, not a ghost story because it's real, but it's a warning just to make sure that you stay in line. If you're already staying right. in line, Brit, then you're great. You're golden. That's fine. Yes. But it's important to put the scare of people. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, while you are trying to uh, give yourself positive affirmations that you're free of audit, the IRS is plugging all of this data from all these returns into their fancy computer brain, and they're teaching that computer brain how to find new sources of, of audit trigger, right? And so it mm. is using all of the big bug buzzwords, AI, neural nets, machine learning, all of these things to try to figure out what are the most likely causes of return fraud and 
to dump those out to IRS humans who can evaluate them and overrule those choices. So uh, it's a game. It's constantly a game. Uh, and you should uh, you should play nice. Yeah. So, you know, you play nice. The computer's not going to find you. You're not going to get audited. The odds are wildly against you being audited. I feel like you can go to the mailbox, Brit, and uh, and feel better about your mail, whether it's junk mail or not, uh, because it's likely that anything from the IRS is going to come to you. It's not going to be you're about to be audited. Uh, and in fact, that's another thing that they uh, that the uh, IRS has reported that, in fact, 88 percent of audits uh, actually are resolved by mail, that you don't actually even need to talk with anybody. Uh, and really? As in your case, yeah, once you engage in a dialogue with the IRS, generally it's resolved quickly and easily. So um, that's uh, that's all good news. That makes me feel a ton better because my big worry would be about an earlier uh, anxiety about bureaucracy. Yes. Of yes, just I, screw you, pay me, screw you, pay me. No, no, no. I'm a human and I actually have something to say. There's a reason behind this. Right. Yeah. That makes me feel better. I, okay. My fear, here's what that fear looks like for me. It's that my door is going to, there's somebody going to be pounding on my door and then they're going to break it down. And it turns out IRS agents are already on my back porch and all the exits are covered and they come in and start rifling through all of my paperwork looking for receipts. And as it happens, what I have learned in this in this investigation is that's not what happens at all. And it's a letter and you can pretty much call or write or email and start a process of resolution and nobody comes to your house unless you're really breaking the law. I think we're all OK. Uh, and then I found this uh, this article on a website, careersinaudit.com, the world's leading job board and career resource for audit risk compliance and cybersecurity professionals. Mm. And it's actually <laughs> it's actually talking about anxiety, the auditor's ally and the oh. first as i first read it i thought it was actually saying that when you are auditing some, someone if they're anxious that serves in your favor because right. they're scared of you and it turns out that was my anxiety talking and auditors are anxious too sorry auditors i guess that's how much i think you hate me that i automatically <laughs> think that you're out to get me and you want to use my weakness for evil bad cop bad cop <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's exactly right. So anyway, thank you, Britt. Thank you so much for thank you, Britt. I yeah, I hope that that some of this little research is good for you. I hope it's good for anyone out there who shares the audit anxiety. You're okay. You can get the mail free of this burden. Pete, for my anxiety this week, I'm going to turn the tables on our format a little bit. How do you feel about that? You're going to make me do a second segment by myself? <laughs> I am not going to. And maybe turning <laughs> the tables is the wrong thing. But this isn't what I'm going to talk about uh, today isn't an anxiety that I currently have, but is one that I absolutely know that I would in different circumstances. And there's still a good chance that I will go through it at some point. And as a result, I want to talk it out. Does that make any that sense? Is that like a, an aspirational anxiety? Like, man, if I were anxious, I'd love to have that. It's like a listener's submission but from myself in the future yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i want to give this a try um okay pete you've heard of children right 
<laughs> oh, the, yes, yes, I've heard of children. Okay. And when a friend or family member says they are pregnant with child, what's the first mm-hmm. thing you want to know? Who's the father? <laughs> Who's the father? <laughs> Who's the father? <laughs> Dynamite. I've, I'm sure I've already taken this off the <laughs> Apart from paternity. Okay, yes, fair enough. But apart from paternity yeah. uh, qualifications, I think a lot of people want to, of course, know when the baby is going to be born. But then the other two questions are, what's the gender? And what okay. is going to be the name? Granted, oh, a lot yeah, of people don't ask there. about the names, but uh, I have two dear married friends named Scotty and Monica, and Monica is currently pregnant with their first child. And I wanted to know both of those things, gender and name as well. But of course, you don't really ask a preborn kid's name. It's most likely it's because, you know, as soon as you hear a name of an unborn child, you immediately say, oh, I knew a Candace. I knew yes. a Mike. Yes, you. A, he was a jerk in the fourth grade. You better not name him Mike. <laughs> right. You accidentally color the choice, and then you're yeah, you bringing in someone well. in. <laughs> exactly. And so I think that's apart from superstition. I think that's the main reason uh, for keeping uh, that kind of information silent. Okay, so here's where it gets to hypothetical me. As this goes to podcast press, I do not currently have plans to have any kids. Of course, I do love, I think I've heard you call it OPCs. Is that other people's children? It is. (laughs) Yes. I deeply love being around and working with kids. Uh, As I've mentioned before, I donate a ton of my time in a creative writing literacy program called Young Storytellers. And I pride myself on being really good kind of like a a favored uncle of sorts for some of my friends kids and i love it right and i'm not personally sure if i want to take on having my own but never say never that being said the idea of naming one's own child seems like it is drenched in anxiety That sounds really hard. And I'm not alone. In the New York Times back in 2013, Alex Williams wrote that, quote, baby naming has become an industry. And that's in response to the fact that many prospective parents feel paralyzed trying to find the elusive name that is exotic yet not bizarre, classic yet not pompous, on trend but not trendy. I love that entire sentence. And so, <laughs> Pete, for this week, I bring to you nomatophobia, <laughs> the fear no. of names, the fear of names. Granted, wow. nomatophobia, the fear of names, it's not one-to-one of what I'm talking about, but it's the closest I could get to. Here's my basic worry in a nutshell. A parent is in charge of bringing a child into the world and has the responsibility of giving them a name that will be their kid's calling card for all of their formative years. No young child knows how to ask for a name change until they're way, way older. They probably won't even think it's an option. And I'd be so scared that the name I give them would somehow be made fun of them for something I didn't think of. Now, Pete, were you ever made fun of for your name? Yes, I, hopefully uh, not yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, let me. Uh, I'll just tell you, uh, my uh, my uncle, my uncle uh, Glenn, uh, is my or was he is sadly passed. I miss him dearly. But uh, when he was older than my dad by ten years, and he, my dad's name is Lloyd, and whenever my dad and I would be someplace where Glenn had to introduce us, this is what he would say. And he had a little bit of a lockjaw problem. So sometimes he talked like this and he, he couldn't really open his mouth all the way. And he would say, uh, oh, hey, uh, everybody, this is, uh, this is my brother Lloyd and this is Lloyd's little Peter. 
And so I was <laughs> classic I Glenn. Was, it I was love classic it. Glenn. And uh, I, I, I only, only marginally regret that I shared that on the podcast because sure. for m- most of my youth, I was little Peter and he got such a hoot out of that, that it stuck across the, the long arc of family history. Sure. Uh, so yes, man. I, and that was I a family like, member. Yikes. Yeah, right. I would. <laughs> uh, also, you know, my last name is Wright, and so I get, uh, I get this all the time. You know, Mister uh, Mister Wright. I get that. I just got this at the TSA a week ago, uh, Mister. Oh, Mister Wright, we've been looking for you. <laughs> really, you've been looking for Mister Wright. Really? Oh, TSA, I didn't even get it. You I don't love have it. anything better to do. <laughs> Yeah, Glenn and the TSA. That sounds like the yeah, worst. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, good. So you have, I mean, bad. You have some experience with that. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to say good. I'm glad for your tears. Uh, let's take my name, Tom W. Metz yeah. the Third. If you were a yes. kid, I thought, I just assumed that it wasn't the TSA and your uncle. I just thought it was going to be kids. Kids yeah, making no. fun of other kids. If you what were a kid. Yours? I can't even figure out how I would make fun of your name. Right. Uh, for a number of kids while growing up, I was Tom W. Metz the turd. Hey, <sighs> thanks. Rhyming. Oh, yeah. Man, and those yeah, I get it. And, and those were the only the ones that I accidentally told my entire name to. I didn't walk around as a child saying I'm Tom W. Metz the third. I'm not yeah, that, that much of a, a creep. little bit. Richie Rich. Yeah. Uh, for most of my childhood, <laughs> I actually went by the name of simply T T period. Uh, and when I was in elementary school. I had, oh, these are adults. I had soccer coaches, adult soccer coaches who continually called me teabag and asked uh. and kept asking me if I wanted one lump of sugar or two, you know, because because <laughs> homonyms. Tea. Yeah. So. <laughs> so uh, this is just opened up a wealth of possibility in our relationship. I'm it, so excited. I know that we're really ratting each other out for the future. <laughs> little Peter. All right. Uh. And uh, real quick, if I just let my anxiety flag fly a little bit, it goes past my anxiety goes past just rude childish jokes or adult and TSA jokes. There's a lot to consider about naming a child. It seems like do I need to honor family history? Go all new. What if I name my kids something and a celebrity arrives with the same name and it'll seem derivative when it wasn't or the celebrity does something terrible. And now all of a sudden yeah. I've messed up my son's life by naming him something like. Cosby CK Mets. I don't know if I was ever go if Cosby CK Mets would ever be on my list, but I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think you I mean, I think you just you you have to think really creatively, and you're a creative guy when it comes to writing, naming characters. I mean, I think you're really likely to come up with something that's wildly out of the box that nobody would ever expect. Let's let's ask for uh for instance, your rescue dog. Foster, You're what he thinks of it. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah. The history of my name creativity is A, I'm literally named the same name almost after my father, the father before him. And yes, as we know, I had a foster dog. And when I rescued him, I named him Foster. Foster. <laughs> that's like naming him Furry Orphan. Like that's just not even a name. It's just like a statement of fact. It's a disaster. By that, <laughs> by that reckoning. We already know your child will be named Child. <laughs> exactly. Smaller me. Yeah, no, it's not. None of this is in my wheelhouse. Um, and apart from the 
that stuff. Also, final anxiety that I had is what if I pick a name that's too common? And he's one of the 11 Aidens, for instance, in kindergarten. I work oh, with kids, yeah. and there's a lot of Aidens out there right now. <laughs> there We are Aiden-drenched. And uh, and that's fine. I'm not saying that they their parents made a mistake, but I'm sure that some of those parents are like, when everyone has to be Aiden Q, Aiden S, Aiden R, when you're yeah. talking to them in the thing, in, in the classroom. Uh, what if my spouse, I still have more anxieties. What if my spouse is dead set on a name that I find less than great? I have a friend of a friend who named their daughter Pony, and I'm overjoyed <laughs> that it works for them. I literally am overjoyed. I'm yeah. not sure if that's a choice that I would particularly agree with. Uh, I worry about a number of things involving naming a child Pony. And um, what if my spouse was really dead set on that kind of stuff? To wit, the hypothetical anxiety exists for obviously a myriad of real world reasons. And I wanted to ask you, uh, did you and your beautiful wife have any anxiety about naming either of your beautiful children? Yes, but our anxiety, I, I think, was more around the, the latter, which was the, you know, are we going to find something we agree on? Mm. Uh, and I should say... Uh, I love my children's names. None of them are the names that I would have gone with. And both huh. of my kids know that. And I think every now and again, they come to me and they're like, we know you wanted to name one of us Jack. And I, huh. I know, but because Jack Ryan, like, what are you going to do? Sure. And, uh, and and so I couldn't I couldn't get away from that. I don't want that to be it's for them to hold that over their own heads. But I, sure. I did lose that. We ended up with names that I'm very happy with. They're compromises. They are they include some family uh, in there. It, it's it's good. It's good. But it was hard. It was really hard. It was because hard. Like, okay. It's like tabula rasa. Like you can do any you could choose anything. You could yes. choose uh, minimize window right. Like it could be anything. <laughs> And Adobe Reader Mets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Twitterific. Uh, right. Like all of those things are open for you to use. And and I think that sometimes is, is the curse of riches with names. How do you how do you land on something? Well, this makes me feel because I was a little bit worried, worried, anxiety about anxiety about sort of bringing up an idea that I didn't have personal contact with. But obviously, yes, it is universal. And I did a little bit of research. And mm. the first thing to know is that if there are any parents listening that are dealing with this, I actually know, other than Scotty and Monica, a number of other people that are currently pregnant and so are probably dealing with this right now. Of course, number one with a bullet, as always, realize you are not alone. There is an entire industry around this. There's paid consultants. There's a ton of books. There's a huge amount of websites with trend data. Now, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tom. Yeah. Um, you are you serious paid consultants paid consultants, consultants? yes correct now are you kidding i Every don't time think you bring up somebody who makes a living doing something you just have to muscle through yourself i see our future fall of man you're talking about those uh video game coaches that i brought oh, up God, before right I'm you were away. so angry <laughs> fucking away all right pete's out everybody so now it's my show. time okay <laughs> First, we're changing something stinky to what's that smell and what's that smell? Number two. Okay. Um, now, I don't necessarily personally agree with the idea of paying paid consultants, diving into books, websites with trend data. I think a lot of that stuff is going to add more noise into your head. But I just wanted to bring up those things to as evidence that there are a ton of people dealing with this anxiety. Clearly. 
There's an entire industry built around it. So do not worry. You are not alone. And it's so interesting that you brought up, Pete, that one of the problems, uh, let's say difficulties that you and your beautiful wife had was would we uh, agree on a name? Uh, Scotty and Monica shared with me that they have been using an app called Baby Name, and it actually sounded kind of cool. <laughs> it gives two different people a list of a ton of names, a couple each day or however much you want to go uh, go through it, and each person can separately click on names that they liked. And then the app would tell the spouses what names they matched on. It's like Baby Name <laughs> Tinder. Tinder. It is absolutely Baby Name Tinder, but I like that because in addition to the conversations they're having at dinner, they're able to also sort of maybe go through a lot of lists when they're at work, when they're, uh, you know, waiting uh, in line for something, that that's a way, again, of helping cut out some of the din, the huge, as you said, amount of tabula rasa, anything goes amount of names. Uh, they, they did, uh, granted, after a while, they're saying they're starting to feel fall out of love with it because uh, Scotty, well, he sent me a screen grab of the latest. I think the app is maybe like running out of names because uh, <laughs> minimize window. Yeah. Oh, uh, they, they, the ones that they're asked to vote on recently included Fiki. F-E-I-K-E, <laughs> Magkin, which sounds like a dragon, and Tempest. Ooh. Yeah, I kind of like Tempest. I'm going to put that on my list. Okay. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, apart from that, there's, uh, you know, so if you want help from outsiders, there is a ton. Uh, putting, uh, writing in baby name anxiety, baby name help, the internet explodes with help. And so if that just gives you a little bit of comfort, please do it. Uh, past that. I did some soul searching and realized I am lucky to have a lot of friends and a lot of those friends have kids and all of the names they have picked for their children have been perfect for me because I already loved their children before I'd even met them. Yeah. And your real friends will feel the same way. Uh, right. Don't do not worry too much. And most importantly, and I think this might be a way of connecting my thoughts uh, to anyone who has the anxiety about this is it doesn't matter because the most important people in your life, if you're like me, will probably come up with their own version anyway. <laughs> That's right. It's not that and the it properly it's not because the proper name that you gave them is lacking, but because it's out of love and attention. I won't right. name the act I won't list the actual names of the amazing children of the friends in my life, but I'm proud to call them all the time by my nicknames for them, which they're okay with because I've been calling them that since they were born. Uh, like Bean, Easy, Finny, Lumpus, Crab Crab, <laughs> Quinesha, Ashtastic. And when Scotty and Monica have their child, I'm sure I will do that weird me thing. Change the name just a teeny bit in a way of making it stand out for me in a way of sort of showing them that they are unique and uh, I love them very much. We, you have to come up with very sweet nicknames because their real name will become pointless as soon as they're 18 and they sell the naming rights to themselves to like Pepsi or First Tech Credit Union. It's the fall of man that will be handled by a name broker. We're all doomed, soul crushing and credits roll. That got dark. <laughs> Good luck, pony. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash sent 
of a podcast. There are over 187,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone and other little uh, square devices. Pete? Well, now I know that as much as reading a tax audit sounds exciting. (laughs) Uh, And I know that there are some of our listeners out there who are dedicated to Audible and to this Audible sponsorship and have done what we've asked them, which is to go listen to the five-minute samples of all 187 and 1,000 titles. If you haven't come across the category of baby names, you must do this because you can get baby name books... (laughs) A lot of them on, on Audible. Audible. And I find that so <laughs> awesome. Baby, is it just a list of names? <laughs> as far as I know, it's just list people reading lists of names. And you know what? They all seem to be written by Suzanne Thomas and oh. narrated by Betty Johnston. Well, oh. no, three of them are. You can get three of them that are by the same pair. So you can hear Betty Johnston read list after list of baby names. <laughs> Wow. Just keep coming. (laughs) That's incredible. Here's here's baby names by Ross Murray, a comprehensive guide to choosing a name, including 3,000 plus baby names on Audible. (laughs) That, did they know that, (laughs) do they know how lists work and how Audible works? That's incredible. I would ask you. Put yourself in the shoes of C.J. McAllister narrated uh, Baby Names, a comprehensive guide to choosing a name, including 3,000 baby names. That is a job right there. Wow. You earned every penny on that That, job. That is very impressive. Yes, C.J., you are some weird spirit animal for what's that smell, because that (laughs) is very exciting, (laughs) while also a little bit weird and also a little bit confusing. And I should say, we should say we are not at all lampooning the act of writing books about baby names. Mm-hmm. What we are lampooning is the fact that Audible exists as a mechanism for delivering audiobooks and that <laughs> baby name books have run headlong into that channel. That's funny. <laughs> I hope you'll also look forward to my future audiobook called Numbers. <laughs> we, we list them all. We start with one, and the sky's the <laughs> limit, everybody. So for you, the listeners of What's That Smell, remember, you can get a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast. Welcome to Street Names of America. <laughs> I can't wait. First Street. Land of opportunity. <laughs> we don't pay to advertise this show, so we appreciate you sharing it with others you think would be interested. Those five-star reviews in iTunes and Apple Podcasts really help others discover the show. Uh, and so if you like what you've heard, share it. Share it with a friend. Pick up the phone. Call your uh, sister or brother and say, hey, have you heard that great smell podcast? You yeah. should check it out. It's better than baby name books. Uh, <laughs> Actually, please. I would say share it with an enemy. <laughs> Share it with a blood feud, and maybe that'll we can bring you guys together. That's a great way to end the blood feud. You just walk up to your blood feuder and say, "Hey, what's that smell?" <laughs> so many Hatfields and McCoys. Oh. I could have resolved all of this. Yep. Oh dear. Coming up next week. <laughs> it's a stone, and it fits comfortably in your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, analog. Oh, yeah. I bet you programmed your computer with punch cards, old man. Uh, <laughs> that, that we hey, don't tell, us, tell us more stories about the soda shop, you old <laughs> jerk. <laughs> 
And that sounds like something you might find in a specialty shop. <laughs> that sounds like a, ra- a rash that I've had before. <laughs> this week's tune is Talk of Calvary by Ziv Moran. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm Tommy Mess III. And I'm Pete Wright. And we'll be back next week on What's That Smell? 